Welcome. I'm Angela Murphy, and I'm welcoming you to Exploring a New Republic of the Heart Together, The Power of Mutual Awakening in Action. I'm excited to be here today with author and thought leader Terry Patton. Most of you are aware of his uh, recent book, New Republic of the Heart. Terry will talk with us for up to an hour, and then if you have any questions for Terry, um, we will take them after his presentation. And now, here's Terry. Thank you so much, Angela. Hi, everybody. Well, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to share what I have to offer uh, today. And I'd like to frame that conversation the way that I frame uh, my teaching occasions with a, an invitation for, for you to let yourself go through an, an inner shift. And I'll, I'd like to guide us through that process right now. So let's take a moment to relax, close our eyes, settle our bodies, find our way into contact with ground and the mystery and settle our breaths and be sensitive to why we're here right now. There are a lot of different awarenesses that are converging here. An intuition of our true condition, gratitude to the mystery, the divine, the giver of all, an awareness of what time it is on the planet, a sense of responsible commitment to be true in the midst of tumultuous and chaotic circumstances, a sincere desire to be of service and a need for contact with fellow brothers and sisters in this greater work. And all of those converge to soften the belly, to open the mind and the heart, to bring us fully feelingly present. So I'd like to invoke the grace that is the very nature of the present moment, that we may all show up, that I may show up in a way that really serves. So with that, feels like maybe we're, we're a little bit in sacred space together now in a way that wasn't quite the case before. So, you know, if you're here, you probably see and feel a sense of urgency and a sense of frustration. This is our moment. We were born for this time. There is a way that we can each make a, a powerful difference, but it's hard to really feel like we're making that difference. When we show up for a march or an act of civil disobedience, 
particularly on the most sobering issues like climate or, you know, this extinction rebellion movement that began in the UK or uh, there, there are other critical uh, environmental issues that are bringing people together. It is a sense that we're putting our bodies on the line, trying to address the most pressing issues. But it's also completely obvious that we've gathered around a clarity about one thing, but there's a great deal of unclarity about the inner work or the interpersonal work. It isn't like we have gatherings that are truly expressing the next stage of our opportunity. And I expect that you have within yourself a capacity for commitment and leadership, a capacity for being among those who wake up early, the early adopters of a new stage of, of human consciousness. And that recognizing what time it is on the planet is uh, a call to step over the threshold from being just a fat and happy middle-class citizen of a prosperous subsection of the world economy into being the change in a more radical way. And you've attempted to do that, and you have done that to some degree. And yet there's this gnawing sense that gnawing at your, at your sense of conscience, that so much more is needed. We are perpetually finding ourselves in in roles that are predetermined. Demonstrator, volunteer for a nonprofit. The, 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 we, we can break out of the old frames into a frame that tries to address something, but then we're just in another frame. And that frame has its own limitations. And yet, if you've deeply combined yourself with the insights in in my book, A New Republic of the Heart, you're aware that this is a holistic challenge and that our opportunity is holistic as well, that we're called to a whole new level of coherence, becoming next stage human beings. And yet every one of us is a a body and mind and nervous system that was socialized and taught how to be human in the context of the society and culture of a civilizational system that we now realize is woefully unsustainable. So that the paradox is we're awakening even as much of who we are is adapted to something that we want to be a part of changing. And yet we use internal combustion automobile engines, or you know, even if we have an electric vehicle, the mining and minerals that go into it, there, there, there is sort of no way for us to completely escape 
the unsustainable context of our lives. And so we go through cycles of coming into acceptance and knowing the deep and profound well-being and okayness, the, the grace and bounty of our divine nature, our of consciousness, of awareness itself, of love. And we metabolize our cognitive dissonance, the, the, the sense that more is asked of us that we can't quite actualize, and we find our way to some measure of peace, but, but there is this gnawing demand that we somehow find our way to a new pattern. And we've, we've explored this. I've explored this with you in my book. I've, I've talked about how exciting it is right now at the leading edge of the evolution of consciousness and awakening, of how serious spiritual practitioners are experiencing openings in consciousness that are in some respects going into new territory. Where, where we are awakening together, there's the potential for some measure of conscious freedom in mutuality among apparently separate body minds, but that which is, who is our, the I amness at the center of me and the I amness at the center of you can come into a kind of mutuality, a we space in which new possibilities for coherence are possible. So it's a very exciting time. And, but as we awaken, it's not just awakening to our freedom and divine nature, all these very joyous things, we're inheriting a kind of radical responsibility for our world at a time when we're, we're ill, you know, ill-fitted, we're, we're, we're not adequate yet to taking that full responsibility of an intuition of its possibility but we tend not to be able to fulfill it. So we grow, we grow ourselves into a capacity to be more capable of facing what is real, of seriousness, of the, of the, the ethical and, you know, the, the, it requires a moral sense, it requires courage, it requires intellectual honesty, requires a certain emotional maturity and capacity to be with what's disturbing. And we become capable of more seriousness. And then we become, we, we have to deepen beyond that into a more radical contact with the unreasonable happiness that allows the nervous system to fully relax and receive the rejuvenating energies of, of, you know, the, the body-mind knows what it's like to be awakened and free and relaxed and joyous. And there are subtle energetic currents in the being that open up under those circumstances. These are the yogas that have been taught in the great tradition. And some of that just naturally activates when we align ourselves with 
our very truth. We need that. That profound engagement with practice is part of what gives us the strength to be with the seemingly impossible questions of our time. You're probably familiar, uh, maybe a few of you are not, with this fundamental metaphor I bring forward of a koan, an impossible question, a Japanese Zen riddle, like what is the sound of one hand clapping or show me your original face, the one you had before your parents were born. In some sense, waking up as we are right now to our divine nature, to our brotherhood and sisterhood and the potentials for a transformational heroic friendship among us and the urgency of this time and, and the radical changes in our lifestyle, our very way of being human that are suggested by our current circumstance. All of that coming forward, we're, we're, we have an opportunity for different qualities of relationship with one another. Many of us have begun to have those kinds of conversations. And our first attempts to have those conversations well, in some respects, they're very satisfying. In other respects, they're frustrating. Because, of course, we don't do it perfectly at first. We're, we're dealing with a moment in which there's tremendous evolutionary pressure, and the things we are capable of doing are, are true, but they're partial. So this koan, this impossible question, just intensifies. How can you be the change you want to see in this world. And the more we clarify something in terms of our understanding, like many of you have done through reading my book or taking the course I've recently finished teaching on the book, there's a great deal more clarity and understanding of the many dimensions of this impossible question. But the raw existential confrontation, you know, we're each, we're all together in it, and in another sense, we're each very alone in it. Well, I expect that you are a, a person with enough awareness or courage or moral sense that you're a, a potential leader. And I'm witnessing and my book bears witness to the fact that not just those of us on this call, but many, many people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people are really trying to embody some measure of virtue or integrity or authenticity or kindness and compassion and constructive lawfulness in relation to our mother planet and the body of life. There is a new republic of the heart coming into being spontaneously, expressed by thousands of beautiful efforts all around the world. That's what the book you know, bears witness to. But it also bears witness to the fact that there is a role and an opportunity for us, even as we trust that this 
process is greater than our analysis and that it has its own inexorable telos, its own way that it moves toward greater wholeness, greater integration, to becoming more integral, more lawful, more balanced. It also needs the conscious participation of those capable of conscious participation. And I think that if you're listening to this, watching me, engaging with me here, you're feeling this. And so there's much that's very rich and beautiful, and yet we all probably are feeling some measure of overwhelm and frustration and a sense of urgency to break through to another level, to really live a more integrated and coherent way of life. And we're actually making some real progress in doing it. And yet we're, you know, we're aware that this is a tipping point moment and that much more is needed. And we're in the pressure of that impossible question, the, the evolutionary tension of more dramatic changes being likely, positive ones and really terrifying and destructive ones. We are the ones who are alive in this time. And it is a call upon whatever latent greatness is there in our souls. And I expect that you're already expressing that in very real ways in your projects and initiatives and outer work, but also perhaps more primarily in your inner work or in your relationships, in your family life, in the way you're engaging your friendships, in the way you're expressing leadership in communities. We're all to some degree doing this. And yet, we're defying an incredibly powerful pattern it is tending always to drag us into a more conventional frame. We are contracting again. We are falling back into the consensus trance. We need fellowship. We need to become a coherent, magnetized community of a very different character. And yet there are limitations that attend on every side. We would really want this community to be face-to-face, -face, in person, not only mediated through our computer screens like this conversation I'm having with you now. But it's very hard to find a critical mass of people in our own communities who see things clearly enough and have enough commitment that you can come together with a decent number of people and create that. And so, most of us live in a pastiche of, I have a community for my yoga practice or a community for my music making or a community for my meditation practice and another community for my activism. And that's not cutting it. We're actually asked to make a radical shift, to really engage something radically different. And you know this, I know this, we all feel this. So here, as I completed teaching uh, my recently completed course on my book, I found myself 
knowing that I wanted to engage with the people who had been activated and inspired at another level of depth. And the conventional thing to offer is a follow-up course, a course that would go deeper. But it's time for us to break out of these roles, me, teacher, you, student, whatever. Like, we are awakening souls in an existential moment in the whole evolutionary trajectory of the human species. And what's possible for us next is not just something that fits into the old unsustainable system, an economic service provider, service consumer relationship. We're actually asked to make a more radical break. I felt I was asked to get out on the skinny branches and attempt something a little bit bolder, a more risky, and yet ultimately potentially way more satisfying. Now, the kind of courses I've created in the past have, I'm very proud of certain aspects of them. I think that because I show my humanity, my imperfections, and, and I know they're not a contradiction, they're, they're, not, they're not in a, a problematic tension with what I have to teach, the wisdom and awakening that I can also communicate, the love and devotion that's also part of me can coexist with the feeling of conflicts and tensions. And I let that hang out. That gives permission to other people to do that. And what I've found in the work I've done over time is that enormously rich friendships have opened up among the people who've participated in my circles of mutuality or my other courses because there's an opportunity to be your enlightened self, your confused self, your traumatized self, and your greatness and your potential heroism, all of it can coexist. And because that can hang out and you can have contact with other people, very rich contact does reliably happen. When the circumstances are such that we can have really sustained engagement with people over time. But what we're asked for now is not just that. It's for that to be another pattern, another level of coherence that begins to have the potential of social force. It's like we have to create a pilot project for the integration of the inner work, the outer work, and the interpersonal work that really is a new pattern something that would actually greet us and hold us and give us a context out of which our growth could be profoundly accelerated. You know, after you've done all your coursework to become a physician, at a certain point, you have to do your internship and your residency. After the intellectual and the private work that you do studying is done. Then you're in the fray. Now you have to bring that to bear in the doing. I think we're in a moment where that doing is necessary. I have always in my courses encouraged people to be engaged in active service. And I know many of you who are interested in what I'm offering already are doing that. Some of you have your own initiatives. 
Others of you are volunteering with nonprofits or other good causes. Some of us express it in more personal terms, but there is a service dimension, an outer work that you know is central to your, to the integrity of your life. That if your inner work, your meditation and your self-cultivation are not also finding expression in the relational realm, such that you're making a contribution and you're being of genuine benefit, something is incomplete. So what I've noticed is that everyone I work with is growing in real ways in all of these areas. And we are all also deeply in need of some levels of guidance and friendship and company. And the old models that really give you some mentorship suppress your potential for leadership. They don't invite you in with the fullness of all that you have, you are in the role of student and it limits you. You are not, it isn't as if all of you is seen or there is space for all of you to find a way forward. Well, I think it's possible for us to experiment at the edges of what has been done in the past. So what I've conceived and what it is I'm going to be uh, offering to you, and, and uh, we're going to do this in a more formal and professional way at the very end of this year, in the beginning of next year, I'll be scheduling another event such as this where I will offer a, a somewhat more polished and detailed presentation of what I have in mind. And then we will launch, just a couple of weeks into the year, a year-long social experiment. A course that's not a course. An opportunity to step over a line in your life and have other people doing that at the same time and saying, okay, it seems crazy to imagine that I could actually live a really different pattern but I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna devote 2019 to being as true as I know how to be with other people who are going to do that. We're gonna be guided by these very inclusive, integral, evolutionary principles that are communicated in this book, A New Republic of the Heart. Terry will be doing it too. I'll be to some degree guided by him. There'll be a curriculum that'll take us deep into what it is to keep awakening, to grant ourselves the love and approval we seek from others, but tend never to give ourselves. To become sane, to go sane in an insane, crazy world. And then at the end of 2019, I want to spend the last month of our engagement harvesting our learnings and finding ways to express it so that we can give those learnings to others. What I have in mind is for us to use the best practices I've learned in terms of transformational containers, containers that foster deep we space and personal awakening and transformation. 
the inner work of the I and the we. That's what I know how to teach. I'm also, as many of you are aware, I've been founding a new nonprofit. And I'm active in the outer work primarily through that, although I have other alliances and participations with other leaders in that outer work. I'm inviting you to consider making 2019 an expression of everything that is best in you, like take up residency, like a, like a medical resident in a new republic of the heart. Have your internship experience as a real revolutionary. You know, at the end of the book, A New Republic of the Heart, I offer three metaphors. I say, this emergency on the planet, this ecological emergency, but it's also a political and an economic and a social and a cultural and a moral crisis, all at once is like receiving your draft notice. Like saying you can't just hang out in the comfortable middle-class life you've lived before. You've got to report for duty and be part of the, you know, the, the army of, of health, of wholeness reasserting itself in the midst of this crisis of fragmentation. And so in some sense, we'll arrive in January at the, uh, at the, at the revolutionary cadres camp in the mountains reporting for duty. And of course, what we'll discover is we're all reporting for duty and nobody's in charge. I, I have a lot of wisdom to offer. I have a lot of guidance to offer. I think I, you know, I'm proud of what I can bring, but I don't want to put myself forward as if I have all the answers. No, I think I've been able to sharpen many of the questions and I can live into them with you. And I can create containers that I know are successful an orderly, focused, deep, and transformational curriculum through which your inner work can mature, and containers so that from the beginning you'll be doing deep and powerful work in the we space, just with a single partner some of the time, with small groups some of the time. And we can begin to really transform as we act. Part of the commitment that you make here is to be doing something for the benefit of the world. If you're not already doing something, I'm gonna be asking you to volunteer at least a couple of hours a week so that you're doing the outer work. That's part of the necessary practice that brings the integrity necessary. And we'll learn through really trying to be as effective as we can be. We will encounter frustrations in that work, inevitably, but we can bring them into the we space. We can learn from that and we can be dynamically engaged, really contributing more and more coherence. This kind of a container will represent a level of coherence most of us really just do not have in our lives. I am imagining that the, the living energy, the Shakti of our lives can be amped up by this, that, that there can be a intensification of consciousness and energy 
running through our bodies and minds and circulated among us as we take seriously leaving the cult of this world and becoming a coherent, smaller group that others might think was cultic, but really trying to break the trance, break out of the programming and find our way into a truer way of being. Now, every, every utopian community or cultural experiment or cult or whatever that has ever existed in the history of man has also fallen into errors. It's dangerous to make that kind of a radical commitment ordinarily. But what if we make it a time-delimited experiment? One year, the last month being one of harvesting our learnings, assessing things. And some of us may want to continue and do something similar again in the future. That's a separate commitment, a separate decision. Whatever we do, and whether we, you know, whatever direction we go in, whether we're continuing to want to work together or not, a whole group of learnings will have been brought together that will inform us and that we will also communicate more broadly as a service to the world. We will have invested our year in becoming a new way of being human, and we will have harvested the data, the information learned from our best attempt to design the conditions under which we can actually do that. We're going to break into a kind of mutually supportive context that will give space for you to be a mentor and teacher and coach to your friends and to be mentored and taught and coached and held in a deeper brother sisterhood than we've had before. And all of that directed at being the change at this crucial time in our world, but in practical terms. If you want to be involved with the nonprofit I've founded, that will be an opportunity. You can do that kind of outer work. If you don't have another project and you feel aligned to what we're doing, more than, you know, you're more than welcome, you know, I want your help to do this work that I'm committed to. But I'm not interested to colonize your energy and just draw you into my thing. I respect that you are a, an awakening soul with your own purpose and your own mission. You, many of you will have your own projects or other commitments. We will come together as a collective with a variety of commitments, workshopping all of that and becoming a coherent new form. That is a choice I have had to make and that I'm really grateful to have been able to begin to make. Now, a part of that meant that, you know, I've grown as a teacher in the context of friends who are really good at this online teaching. Uh, what is it? A, I guess a craft or a, a, a business. And in that context, it's all, you kind of have to figure out how much it's going to cost to pay all the people that do all the things behind the scenes. You end up charging a certain amount. You might offer a few scholarships, but it, it's a business model. And that would falsify this experiment. I can't do that. Somehow I have to invite you into this in a way that invites you to help support it. 
but which really is taking a stand for a different quality of relationship among us, much closer to the spirit of a gift economy. I want to offer this as an opportunity for you, a, a completely transformational, living, bright, intense, amazing opportunity to make your next year a transformational experiment that will benefit not just you, but a whole series of new or intensifying friendships and allyships and to be activated as an activist at a whole other level. I've enlisted the help of a longtime student, Siobhan McClory, to help me do this. But we are willing to go into this in an unconventional way. I don't want you to be paying me for a service and then I have the obligation to make you a satisfied customer. I, I want us to come into a different relationship where we co-create wholeness and wherever there is something that needs addressing, we become, you know, we put on our big boy, big girl pants and we find our way to heal those things together and where your leadership is invited and actually has a place to flow. All of this, eh, it will not be, uh, it will be to some degree emergent. I can predict many aspects of this, but not all. So I will be sending you an email after this. Angela will be helping me get out an email to you after this that will show you what it is that we're offering as we have been able to write it up so far. Over the Christmas holidays, we'll refine that and develop it more so that we'll do a more formal, full launch. But part of what that will show you is you're going to be able to dial in what you can afford. And I hope some of you will dial in higher numbers because you'll be wanting to make it possible for people who can't responsibly dial in even the numbers that are necessary for this to break even. I am willing, and I have already been willing, I've been doing this for some time, to take financial risks in order to break out of the old paradigm. It's important that we find within ourselves the courage to live into a new pattern. And if I want you to do it, I certainly have to lead by taking my own risks. So that's invigorating, it's exciting, it's a little scary, but mostly I have faith that there is a critical mass of awakened clarity among the people that are already gathered and the people you will draw in. I hope that you will tell the committed, intelligent friends among you, your, your circle of acquaintances, who you think ought to be a part of this. And we will draw in an amazing collaborative group of friends, of brothers and sisters with whom we will conduct an experiment on behalf of the evolution of culture, this integration of the inner work, the outer work and the interpersonal work will come together and we will find a way to hold the necessary money dimension in a way that doesn't put it between us, doesn't block our relationships. Where full disclosure of the 
costs and complexities and the uh, and, and, and a desire, a, a spirit, a fundamental generosity really pervades things. The part of me that's afraid that we, you know, not enough money will come in would block that. I have to be daring. I have to take the risk. That's a form of generosity. I hope it evokes in you a sense of excitement, a sense that this is really a new republic of the heart, not just another virtual learning experience. It's a course that's not a course. It's a course that's much more than that. Now, it will have several important dimensions. We will meet together every two or three weeks. I will offer a very powerful teaching, I hope, and some read, you know, supplemental readings and maybe some suggested exercises. On the weeks we don't meet in the big group, or you know, there'll be some weeks off entirely, but more often than not, there'll be either a large group meeting or there'll be a meeting in a smaller group of four to six people that I'm calling a pod. And, and in that group, you'll be able to do deep work. And I expect those meetings will mostly be 75 to 90 minutes. The, the large group meetings will be about 90 minutes. And then every week, I will be asking you to have a 30 to 60 minute meeting up to you with a single other partner with whom you'll do deep practices, both we space practices sometimes, or you will in turn turn your attention to one another and help you work through some self-focused work on your own healing and self-understanding. So those are the three meeting forms. The large group meeting with me every two to three weeks. The meeting in your pod on the alternate weeks and a weekly meeting with a partner. Altogether, this will take, depending on the week, two to four and a half hours a week. It doesn't have to take any more time than that. However, this is an open container, and some of us will be so inspired by what we're doing that we'll put more time and energy into this and more leadership into it. I hope that this can function in your life the way it would function if you arrived, you know, my second metaphor after uh, getting your draft notice is arriving at a monastery. In some sense, this is a new monastic container. It's a, the monastery is not only about the inner life, it's the inner life, outer life, and interpersonal life, but lived as a sacred matter of practice. And so there's a purification of ourselves. There's a radical commitment. You, you join the ashram and you you set your alarm, you wake up, you meditate, you do some conscious movement, you become a practitioner at a deeper level, and there'll be guidance about that. All of us, however deep a practitioner we are, can press reset, draw ourselves into it, and let our practice have a new level of energy being brought into it and supported by the collective field. But We'll be workshopping everything in the we space, and we will begin to be taking seriously what it takes to become an empowered source of change in the world. Each one of us in our own way, bringing our capacities. It's, it's all leadership in a sense. Some of us will look like we're leading other people. Some of us may not. But it takes intention and choice and being a stand for something 
authenticity and integrity from every one of us. And those are the qualities of leadership. We, in participating in this, will be saying, I'm not going to be at the effect of this crazy world. I'm going to join with other people who are going to do their best to be at cause, not just at the effect of it all. We're going to enter into that with an open-hearted spirit of a different kind, and we're going to make this work in the human world. The finances will reflect that. So that's the essential vision, and I hope you find it inspiring and resonant. I hope it feels true. I've done everything I can to excavate everything that's in the way and to find a way to recast it. We've developed a, a, a beautiful page of description, like the descriptions of an online course, sort of similar to that genre. But what they express is an attempt to break out of that an opportunity for you to step into a higher frequency field in which everybody's gonna be on the edge, attempting to actually be that clarity of will and choice in the human soul that opts for health and wholeness reasserting themselves in the time of a crisis of fragmentation. Let's step over the threshold and actually live in a new republic of the heart. Let's step over the barriers that would separate me as teacher from you as student and live in a different frequency, a different energy. That's the vision. I wanted to communicate the essence of it to you, to the people who've received this email, many of whom have been in this this course just completed, because I want you to be able to feel into that over the holidays and perhaps tell a few other key people so that when we're ready to launch this at the end of the year and we will really, you know, sound our, our trumpets and really try to draw in a powerful community, a larger community, if we can do it. I want to limit this to a certain number of people. It would be beautiful if the number could be a sacred number, you know, the, the great sacred number on the, uh, the great sacred subcontinent of India is 108. That's a lot of people to draw into something like this. I think we could accommodate that potentially. It may be that half of that number, 54, may be the appropriate number. But I hope there's a significant number of us and that we then have enough going on so that our online forums and our engagement with one another are really vibrant and alive. Smaller groups are good for intimacy, but I think that there can be a, a field that has a quality of intimacy that can include everyone, and that the deep work can be done in the pods and in the dyads and in certain other projects. Some of us may enlist others in projects or engage together in service functions that'll be additional to the pods and the dyads. I think the intimacy is going to come out of that. So that's the essence of my vision for this. And I want to offer you a heartfelt invitation. The course page that we will send to you will give you an opportunity to sign up right away. And you will help us if you do sign up right away. 
the more we see, oh, there's excitement about this. It'll give me energy. It'll, it, it'll be a favor or a way of blessing what I'm attempting to do. I'm out here on the skinny branches spending money and paying other people in order, you know, kind of saying this will happen. The more that something comes back, the stronger I'll be, the better able I'll be to do this well. So yes, please do that. But no, there's not a deadline. This is a, a heart offering. It's simple. And the deadlines will arrive in early next year. And there's a little bit of time for that. But if you want to help make this stronger and more real, let me know. Bring that. Okay, that's the vision that I, I wanted to, to share with you. I think it's mostly complete. And I want to thank you for being here with me. I want to take another reflective moment to, you know, I, I, I engage a process I call trans-rational prayer. There's pre-rational prayer, which is, dear Lord, please bless me. There's the rational mode, which isn't very prayerful at all. A trans-rational prayer opens to the I don't know from which all blessings flow, opens to the fact that the people we would, will meet, the accidental good and bad news about our health or those of our loved ones, the, the good or bad accidents that come into our lives have so much effect on everything. And we can treat it as if it's all random and dead and take it all for granted, or we can notice that it's better to have an attitude of prayerful intention of beckoning grace and of gratitude for all the grace that's already flowed to orient toward that I don't know with a quality of love to open and to do that in a living way in the moment spontaneously so transrational prayer has no learned words it's spoken alive in this moment and in this moment I want to turn to the mystery, the I don't know, from which all blessings flow. And ask that we all be blessed here in this solstice time of the year, in this time when the dark is intense, there's still light. Let us all in this moment find the strength to choose what is most bright, in our own being and affirm it and become stronger in it, become a source for it to others. Let this project that I'm describing be blessed and may you find your right relationship to it. Some people will only audit this. I understand some people's lives are so full of time commitments that all you'll be able to do is audit this program. And if that's gonna be your form of involvement, you won't have to spend as much time. I accept that. But may you be blessed to be catalyzed, no matter what your form of relationship, some, all, or none to this experiment. And may our coherent energy bring blessing 
Well, we don't bring the blessing, open a space through which the always already blessing nature of divine reality flows more powerfully into this experiment, this social experiment in coherence and integrity and authenticity and responsibility and, and willingness. So thank you. Mm. And with that, I want to open a space. If anyone would like to ask any questions, I'd like to give you a chance to, to raise your hand. And Angela will be able to see you there. And I hope, I hope we can go a little further now. All right. Thank you, Terry. Marjorie asks, what is the criteria for participating in this program that will be limited in number? If we sign up now and show our interest in this program at this time, how will we know if we are qualified and meet the criteria for the program? Well, thanks for that question, Marjorie. Um, I think that this is an opportunity that asks for our very best. And I think that we should feel challenged to show up at our very best. It, it isn't uh, an invitation to be passively held by others only. On the other hand, I'm not making this an application. This is not available by application. We're not going to do a situation where we're going to have you fill out a questionnaire and either invite you in or not. If you're willing to do this, you will be welcomed. Now, this will mean that there will be people of various types. Some, some of us will have a significant leadership role in a different way than others because we'll be able to do that. So yeah, there are differences and uh, a different kind of program might have been by application and might just be for certain people. But this is, arms are open wide to all comers for this. And we will discover that there may be there may be certain groups that will meet at certain times that will by, be by invitation only, but, but not as a matter of creating status differentials. It'll be as a matter of incubating a quality of energy so that it can be given broadly. We're going to put our arms around each other as, as, as our mode of relating in this. All right, thanks. Now we have Ed is asking a question. Question is, I've got, uh, I can think of a half dozen friends that might be interested in this, at least at a um, um, auditing level. Um, is there a way that we can re get a recording of, of your uh, last hour presentation on to them? Um, For sure, Ed. There'll be an email that'll go out after this that will uh, contain... I'm not sure whether it'll be one email with both of these links or two emails, each with one of them, but there will be a link to the page that describes the experiment and there will be a link to the recording, uh, audio and video recordings of, of what I've just presented. So you will be able to share those with anyone you'd like. Great, great. Um, another question comes to mind. Uh, you were talking about this, um, this magic number, this 108 or whatever. Um, 
it seems is that a criteria for persons that are actively engaged um, you know in the it, 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 it's just uh, that when I've imagined this I've imagined um, wanting to sort of set an intention for a decent number of people participating and when I imagined the right number I thought gosh, there's that sacred number, 108. That would be cool. Okay, I'm going to intend that there be 108, and I don't know whether it ought to be 54 or 108. You know, I'm, I'm not quite clear how that'll be. But, okay. but my, uh, we're not going to say, oh, you're the 109th person or the 55th person, and, you know, we have to have it land on that round number. We're not going to play it that way, no. No, what I had in mind with the question was, um, if you got a larger number and these people would um, would would just uh, uh, monitor, um, maybe we get more a little more revenue, and uh, they would become kind of GoFundMe kind of people, and um, would just kind well, of well, and and they would they but they would be a part like th there's an interesting thing. There will be parts of this that are going to be very very intimate and that won't be a pr like you will share, you know, in your dyad work, you're going to be very vulnerable and you don't want that to be visible to an auditor. Same with your pod. But there will be these presentations that I will be offering and additional Q and A's and there will be uh, readings and, you know, educational dimensions to this experience. And those are appropriate for auditors uh, to benefit from. And I think very, very rich. And the way that our social experiment will play out will be visible to those auditors, which I think is a very exciting opportunity for them too. So I don't regard them really just as funders. I regard them as, there's a, there's a, a term that's sometimes used in the uh, American Indian uh, spiritual traditions, the long body, uh, like the long body of a, of a Sangha. And that would be the people who've come and gone from the Sangha or the people who are the friends of friends. And the auditors will be very much our close, long body of our community of practice. So um, I, I want to create a space for those individuals for whom that's the appropriate form. And I want to think of them as, you know, they're, they're sort of brothers and sisters who I can't count on for the same level of engagement for this year's experiment. And I, I want there to be a powerful field among the participants of a certain kind. I want us to be able to count on each other. And I wouldn't be able to count on somebody who's merely auditing in the same way. So I'm making a big distinction there, you know, as part of our brother sisterhood. Got it. Thank, Thank you for you. that question, Ed. Hello. Hi, Alan. Good to hear your voice. I, uh, I'm so delighted that you have this initiative and I like the way you frame it. At the same time, having been with, I guess, a number of people on this call on a journey with you and a small group of people, like 15 people. Right. What will be the main difference uh, apart from a larger group of people and the fact that we would be doing things together? Are these the main aspects. Uh, can you say a little more about what uh, would be the chance of actually moving into new territory together? 
Well, my commitment is that we move into new territory together. There are several differences. One is that there's a very coherent uh, curriculum. I didn't describe this earlier, but I do want to speak to it now. I have, uh, there are going to be 21 sessions with me across the year. Mm -hmm. And 15 of those will be a deep dive into drawing us into some shared clarity about the nature of the inner work, the outer work, the interpersonal work, the, and what it takes to break the gravity of the ego and the gravity of the, 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 the powerful, powerful entrancing effects that kind of keep us in the old paradigm. So I think it will have a more coherent uh, curriculum in that sense. The, the service dimension is not just something you do on the side. It's going to feed back into the way that our, that our pods will operate. I think in the past I've created the pods and let them be, I, I, I'd say my structuring was, I learned a lot by not overstructuring. And so things were pretty loose in, in what you've participated in in the past. I think there's going to be a bit more structure to what we do here. You know how uh, I think it's perhaps, perhaps it's Ken Wilber anyway, one of the ideas in the integral evolutionary ecosystem is the idea of freeing something by limiting it. And I think giving it a little bit more structure to what we, what we do, at least some of the time, will, will liberate a different kind of possibility. That the idea that we really are stepping into a new pattern radically and that we are going to collect our learnings at the end, right. that changes everything. So I think that you'll find that it has some real similarities to what has happened in the past, but what has happened in the past has been more focused on the resonance and humanity and the friendships that have been grown and the level of self-sensitivity, that's what they have succeeded in. Yes. And I want that to be augmented by a sense of real efficacy and commitment and leadership at a level I haven't done before. So I do think that will shift it pretty dramatically. And then those six sessions of the 21 that are not part of the planned curriculum are going to be an opportunity for me to address what's happening as it's happening. So periodically, I'm going to abandon the planned curriculum in order to address something specific that needs to be addressed. So there'll be an opportunity for me to do that spontaneously. And also, if there are, we'll see what happens, but if there are significant questions that people want me to speak to, I'll create additional Q&A sessions on an ad hoc basis. So I think there's a, this radicality um, was something I hoped might come into being in the past, and I've learned a lot about how to actually create the conditions for it. Yeah. So I think that's what makes this different. Great, thank you very much. I have one quick additional question. Um, would it make sense, I am, as you know, very uh, focused on my Newtown, uh, Portland, Oregon, and we did make sense to try to find some people locally, even they have not attended any of your courses before, that would be interested in focusing on uh, a radical transformation of what this city is. 
in our local aspect. I mean, that's a very powerful, that's a very specific and powerful commitment. And there are resources that, you know, that you're already aware of and others that I may be able to bring to bear. And I, I could offer different kinds of support to you in that. But what I would expect is the living engagement with Portland that you're working with will end up feeding the whole Sangha experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. It, and informing what we do. Uh, we have three questions that are written in the Q&A box. Um, the first one is from Carrie and she asks, I would think there would be some basic agreements for playing together and possibly different within certain pods or levels of commitment. How might those come together? Well, I do have uh, some principles of mutuality and uh, like for one thing, this deep vulnerability and permission to show up as uh, as you really are, uh, an awareness that we're all cartoon characters, we don't have to put on a face and look good, that liberates something. The presence of the luminosity and sacredness of the mystery is another thing that has been a really important part of all the groups I've led. And that is uh, an agreement for playing together. There are issues of not giving advice, of really, really listening to one another, of, uh, of, of treating our relationships with one another as a field of practice and of learning. And, and there are a good deal more details to all of that. They, they can create, you know, the, the, the teachings about the intelligence of the heart, the nature of a, of a deepening heart engagement and heart commitment. All of that informs the space and, and affects the way we play together. But we're trying some new stuff. And so I think inevitably, it won't all just be antiseptic perfect. We, you know, we will, we, if, if we're really playing for keeps, we're gonna make some mistakes and we're gonna have to address them and that's okay, that's fine. That the, this, like we're already making a ton of mistakes. We're all collectively sleepwalking into apocalypse, it seems like. For us to break with that and really create a demonstration project of another principle is so, uh, so radical and so important that I believe it will, I believe that there'll be a, a really high level of energy and Shakti that'll be informing all of us. So, uh, but, but there will be specialized opportunities. We'll see, you know, to some degree it's going to, quite honestly, I'm trying enough new stuff that I can't predict all the details of that, Carrie. Um, and I think, by the way, Angela, I think Carrie is a, a male rather than a female, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so you have three questions from Anne. Do you want them one at a time? Uh, Annika. So you said Annika, that's how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, if we commit to the three groups for a full year, what might it look like if there were times, maybe a week or two here or there, where we weren't able to attend any of the groups? Would we communicate our absences to our groups and be able to fit back into a group fairly smoothly when whatever crisis is over? Um, yeah, that's, 
it's unfortunately inevitable. I, I, I want people to sign up with the clear intention of participating 75 to 99% of the time. Really, the intention has to be to really show up for the whole thing. We live in a postmodern world. There are going to be interruptions. There are going to be illnesses. There are going to be travel. There are going to be things that get in the way here and there. And we have to make room for that. We all understand that. But part of what we have to understand is that we're committing to a Sangha experience. And therefore, everybody in our pod, every you know, our diet partners, everyone who is affected and benefits from our participation is affected and diminished by our non-participation. So it's important to take it seriously and to hold that with a little bit of flexibility. So that's, that's, so we're, we're, um, I want to disappear the dynamic of the, the teacher holding the ruler and smacking the students, uh, fingers uh, completely. You know, I don't want there to be a, a rigidity, but there has to be sincere, clear, adult, responsible choice. Yes, I'm in. Yes, you can count on me. If I'm not going to show up, I'll let you know ahead of time as best I can. I will take this seriously. I will be there with you in this. I want us all to grant that to one another. All right. And Annika's second question is, also, will there be a way to adjust how much we contribute financially month to month? Because some months may be more challenging and other months we might be able to contribute more. Yes, uh, we've been tweaking the app that lets us do all this stuff. And the one we're working with is called DonorBox and supposedly it has that kind of functionality. What I hope is uh, because the bills roll in every month. You know, it, it costs a certain amount to create this. Knowing what we can count on is very valuable. So I hope you'll treat it as a commitment and try not to have it dip. But there is flexibility in the, in the app and the way that it works. And we want that. We hope that many people will be discovering as, as you go into the year how far out this is and will feel that spirit of generosity and want to be upping their monthly contributions. We'll see what happens. Uh, the last question from Annika is, how will the groups be formed at random as they were during the New Republic of the Heart course? Well, I want to create a space for people to gather with people they want to gather with based on affinity as much as possible. But at the beginning, people don't know each other and they don't know who they have affinity with. So I want to create a permission structure whereby groups can form. And I want to support that particularly at the beginning by creating groups. And that is somewhat random. We don't know everybody very well yet, but we will ask you to fill out a survey and we'll learn a little about you. And on that basis, we'll try to make informed choices that will create groups that we think will be successful. We'll pay attention to what time zone you live in and aspects of your experience and history. But uh, as the months develop, we're, we're planning to rotate the, the pods twice so that you'll be in one pod for the first third, another in the second third, and a third pod for the third third of the year. And 
will make those rotations. Uh, so by the time the first rotation comes, there'll probably be a good deal more experience that people will have with one another and friendships will have emerged. And so some of the groups will, uh, I think, be able to form naturally and organically. I think the more that you're at choice and in leadership of your experience, the better. But it's important that we provide the, you know, there does have to be some central management and there has to be a way that you get to be in a group even if you don't know anybody. And, you know, all those sorts of things have to be accounted for. So uh, a little bit of a mix of the, of the two. All right, thank you for those questions. And that's all the questions we have, unless anyone wants to raise their hand quickly. That's it, Terry. Okay. Well, look, thank you, everybody. It's been a delight to be here with you. I am really excited about what we're going to be doing. If questions come up, feel free to contact us. We'll be getting out these links to you as soon as we're able. Let's be... We don't know what's gonna happen in our world. Let's be an example of what it is that could turn it around if it can be turned around. Let's engage a conscious social experiment in being the change in a way that hasn't happened before. And please help me make that real. Please bring your capacity and leadership and depth to the process. That's the only way we're gonna make it happen. So thank you. <laughs>